Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Matt here. Got about 15, 20, 25 minutes. If it's really good <laughs> for, him to, for him to speak to us, give a little history lesson. I'm excited for this. 1985, the USPO was founded. The year the Royals won the World Series. Is that in your talk? It is, it is now. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's, just, let's just pray for Matt. So, um, the Lord, we just thank you for our brother Matt. Thank you for um, his wisdom, the, the prep that he put into this talk. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just give us greater vision of community through his words tonight. Um, a greater appreciation for your work that has happened, um, for your, your victory that has happened, Father, throughout history. Um, we just ask you to your spirit, bless him, pour out your spirit upon him right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Even though I was typing my password into my computer, I was with you in that prayer. <laughs> I was... Uh, uh, um, Good to be with you, Alta, and good to see you. Um, uh, God is God is good. Um, I don't I don't know if we're gonna have time for Q and A, so we'll just I'll just kind of sum up kind of what I've been talking about over the last few months in October, November, December, in January. We well, not kind of in January, not not really, and kind of bring it to the uh, SPO. Uh, um, I'll, I'll bring it there. I was, as I was thinking, last, last night was senior night at, um, at the school that our kids go to, Faith Christian Academy, uh, for the basketball players. So you guys, you know how that works, right? It was also senior night for my godson um, uh, at Park Hill South, which is a, it's a big school in the Northland. And, uh, and he's, a, he's a senior there on the on the basketball team and and Jen was Jen went to that and then I was I was I'm the assistant coach for the varsity girls so that was at the same time and um we played a game and then in between the varsity girls and boys game we honored you know we had two two guys and four women uh who are graduating and um it, it was a beautiful thing you know I'm uh, each coach honored each player and took time to kind of do that in this gym. And we were playing a school from Lenexa called Christ Prep. And, uh, and so they're waiting uh, while it happens. But it was, it, you know, it was very, very moving. And then um, uh, just to specifically honor each girl and each, um, each young, young lady and each young man uh, um, in that time. And then to take time to be able to pray with them. And, um, you know, the whole gym, and it was all packed, and this little, you know, this little gym. And Jen was just juxtaposing that experience with the experience that she had earlier the night, that night at Park Hill South, you know, with, you know, you know, a couple thousand people in the gym with, you know, there's light shows, and, and the whole, and it was really well done. It was, it was super cool, uh, and it was really awesome. Um, but what she said is, she goes, you know, Matt, it was just such a, you know, uh, you know, a juxtaposition to to lean, 
between those two because that honoring and that prayer could have never happened at Park Hill South. And uh, in here, just a few miles from that school, uh, further north, you know, something smaller, more intimate without the light show because we don't have money for screens and all of that stuff, right? Um, there was something that, that was, you know, that was the kingdom of God right there. Um, and so I wanted to kind of go back uh, just kind of through, as we've, if, as we've talked about, what, what, what is the story of God and how does that relate to Heart of the Redeemer? And then how does that relate to our partnership uh, with, with SPL? Um, and I, I want to read, um, sorry, I forgot my Bible. I do have my Kindle, um, but I just asked Kimmy if I could borrow hers, so thanks, Kimmy. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I don't, I, I could read first, um, not first, I could read Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5, but that's like three chapters long, and it's... Uh, a little, it's a little more, um, uh, it's like Paul's most, you know, intellectual kind of work. But chapter 15 is kind of, you know, where the whole book of First Corinthians is heading the whole time. And it's on um, the, the resurrection of Christ and our own res- resurrection and Paul's thinking in regards to how those things are related um, and in verse 20 to 28, I'm just going to read it. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the de- dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. And after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that this does not include the one who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who put all things in subjection under him, so that God may be all in all." Um, I want to kind of unspiritualize this. When Paul is writing in Romans, he says uh, a very similar thing about how death came through one man, Adam, and he goes through and he goes through it in much more detail over chapters three, four, and five. Um, uh, and he's writing that book uh, to the Romans, um, to the church in Rome. And at the time when he is announcing that God has, you know, put all things in subjection to Christ, he has been established, he's announcing 
that the Lord, the world now has a new authority and ruler. Stay with me. I'm sorry. This is kind of in, in depth now that I'm saying it. That is Jesus. He is in charge. And when we hear that the Lord is in charge of all things now, and when we hear it, then it can be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Right? Well, they thought the same thing then, right? I mean, it wasn't like Paul was writing and he didn't know what he was writing. No, the world had a ruler. And if you picked up a coin off the street in Rome at the time that Paul is writing this letter, it's about the size of a penny. You can look them up online. We have these. And uh, there would be an image on that. And the image would be of whoever, you know, whoever was the, the emperor in Rome at the time. And it would have their, you know, image on it. And underneath it, it would say, son of God. So Claudius, Nero, Augustus, whoever, son of God. Who's in charge? And in fact, this is tangential, but... The, the way that they would come in and announce. So you guys know that, you know, um, Octavian and Mark Antony fought against Brutus after Julius Caesar was died, Octavian being the kind of the stepson of Julius Caesar, and they defeated Brutus. And then, you know, power doesn't like a vacuum, so Antony and Octavian uh, got in a fight, and Antony and Cleopatra, you know, they got defeated. And Octavian became the first emperor of Rome. Before that, there was, you know, a division of power. And they would proclaim the Evangelion when they would come into the city after Octavian defeated the good news. There's the new son of God, emperor of the kingdom. And Paul is claiming because after the resurrection, that in fact, yes, there is good news, and there is a, the Son of God, the God of Israel, Jesus, the crucified one, has been raised from the dead, and God has established him right here, right now, as the king of the world. I don't have time to go into everything, but that was news, <laughs> you know. Not like good advice, you know, if you need to get to heaven and you got a sin problem, here, put faith in Jesus, you know, and then, you know, well, I went, ah, go through all of that. But that was, that, was, that was news. And the establishment of the people of God and his, um, um, and God, Jesus establishing his people, uh, the, the new Israel, were called by him, commissioned by him to be ambassadors of that news and of that kingdom. <laughs> That's our role. And this kingdom that's proclaimed, you know, like when God is going to establish his kingdom through his ambassadors, he's already done it in Christ, but as us as announcers of that, 
of that news, of that kingdom. I, I said this in an earlier talk. He doesn't send in the tanks, right? He sends in the Matthew chapter 5 people, right? He sends in the meek. He sends in the peacemakers. He sends in the hungry for justice people. See, we're going to do power a new way in this kingdom. So when you guys think, you know, and so the Gospels, and this is so important if you're going to understand Heart of the Redeemer. The Gospels are the story of how God became king. Because in the story of Israel, the, the king of Israel was always destined to be the ruler of all the nations. That was the story. Read Psalm 2. Read Psalm 72. Read them. This was the story. They expected this tribal people from some backwater place in the Middle East, Middle East, their God, their king, was going to be the ruler of the whole world. There was a ruler of the whole world. And it wasn't some crucified Jewish boy. Okay? And it's easy for us to have the perspective when we go out into the world that things are all going bad. You know, it's okay. And, and we've colluded with that advice because we've transitioned the good news into simply a personal kind of thing to take care of your sin problem so that when you say yes to Jesus, and if you're Catholic, you know, you, you do the right prayers and you go to Mass on Sunday and you follow all the rules from here on out, then you're going to go to heaven in the end. And I hear it all the time. We want to get people to heaven. Well, sort of. <laughs> you know, heaven's important. It's just not the end of the story, right? The story of Israel is always a story of heaven and earth united. Eden is heaven and earth united. Sin is a disruption of that, but God in building, you know, calling his people and then the, you know, the tabernacle and tent and his presence and then the, you know, the, te the temple is the place on earth where heaven is there. And Jesus then is the new temple, and he's establishing his kingdom where all the nations. And he's going to reign until everything is under his power and authority. And he's put us as the news bearers to that story. So Paul says in Colossians, my timer's going off. That was 15 minutes. Thank you. Five more minutes. So, oh, I forgot where I was. What was it? Colossians, yeah, chapter 3. There is, in chapter 3, great thing. It says, there, there's, there's things. Put on, put away, and put to death. 
because you guys are now the ambassadors of that kingdom. So put on the life of that kingdom. We've done it the other way. We've all done it the other way. We all do it the other way. But put on joy, patience, kindness, meekness. (laughs) Don't our families need that? Don't our workplaces need that? Put away certain things and put to death certain things. That's why the, the word about idols is, it's a personal word, and, I, and I'm not wanting to get away from that. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a personal encounter with Jesus, and I knew him and loved him. But it's so much bigger than that, guys. Jesus is the king of the world. And our role in, as individuals and as a community is to bear witness to that kingdom. And that kingdom and this resurrection power actually has power to transform individual lives, but it's much bigger than that. It can transform uh, streets and neighborhoods and cities and nations. And it's not because we're the super cool, you know, screen light people. I, I love that stuff. I'm gonna, I, I, want, I want to do that stuff, so I'm not, like, judging that. I'm just saying that you know, the way of the king is the way of Calvary. And so what was different than at the end of this story, because, I mean, we got this whole story, and this is where the creeds kind of, you know, we, and I, I'm a catechetics major. I'm big into the catechism. I love the creeds. I love teaching from them. But when we use them as a teaching syllabus of the faith, how do, uh, now, you know, I'm up here and I'm trying to remember the creed. Uh, but, the, you know, it's, uh, he was born of a virgin. What's the next line? Born, suffer. Uh, don't you imagine Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John saying at this point, hey, wait a minute. We, we spent a lot of time writing down the whole middle part of his life here. So, like, doesn't it make you think, like, what's the point? It's not actually, I'm a, I'm, I'm a creedal Christian. I believe all of those. But that creed was formed on basically disagreements and all that stuff. That's why certain things get highlighted. But other things, the canon, get overrun. And... We have to understand the story and understand what our part is in that. I'm going to fast forward real quick, and I went through, I don't remember if you remember, four prophetic words, but uh, I'm not going to go through those. They were, they were kind of newer highlights, but one of them was a call and a word of judgment for the church. We, we live in a time where there's new movements of the Holy Spirit arising. Heart of the Redeemer is one of those, and we're, you know, connected to other covenant communities that are doing the same thing. And that word was given in the 1976, I think. And um, in, uh, in, in 2000, 
2001 and 2002, right, God had to utilize the New York Times, of all people, and the Boston Globe primarily to bring, in my opinion, his judgment on the church. I don't see any other way to look at it. And um, maybe, maybe that's harsh, and I'm still, I'm, I'm, I've, I work for the church, I love the church, I'm still in the church. But God was bringing his judgment because the church, the very people, in, is supposed to be the representatives, the ambassadors of the kingdom, had clearly come to under the authority and power of the idols, sex, money, power. Um, but Jesus, in the middle of that, has raised up other movements in the church and outside the church to be his kingdom people. But we have to put on that life of the Beatitudes of that so that we can be good representatives of that kingdom. And he's given his Holy Spirit to help transform us. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. So I'm saying to you, Heart of the Redeemer has a really, really important role, a God-given role, in the middle of a world that basically has turned its back on God, right? I mean, like, the, the, even the idea of resurrection, I'm going to be the determiner of whether this is good or not. Okay, um, sorry. Uh, the, has come under fire in the last hundred years in intellectual circles where, um, you know, science has discovered that people don't rise from the dead. You know, but I, we don't need Darwin or Galileo. I mean, you know, Plutarch and Homer and Pliny and Seneca, they all knew that people didn't rise from the dead. It wasn't like, oh, we're so smart now. Look at, they thought people rose from the dead back then. No, they didn't. Stop it. They knew people didn't rise from the dead. I'm sorry. I digress. But the point is, is that in the Enlightenment, we said we turned a corner, and now we know how to build life. And we've done it for the last couple hundred years. How's that working out? I, there's been, we've had the largest wars ever killing the most people. We've had the Christian West, Germany, you know, I mean, you can go down to the Auschwitz uh, Holocaust uh, exhibit down that's happened in this new way where we're going from you know greater glory and conquest to greater conquest economically whatever you know it's not happening and it it serves that narrative real well to undermine another narrative that says actually the world turns it, its corner when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead so it serves that really well to undermine the basic point of that. <laughs> anyway, back to our role as the people of God is to be his ambassadors into the world, proclaiming the news of his kingship.
that's heart of the Redeemer's role. And we need each other to do that. And it might not look like much, but it really is kingdom work. A number of years ago, I talked about this creative minority idea that Pope Benedict talked about, that there's a creative minority in a point of history, if you reach a golden mean, that you can change a civilization and help resuscitate it to life. And maybe, you know, we could be, be that creative minority and there would be a golden mean. I don't know if there'll be a golden mean or not. But I do know we are called to be that creative minority. And everything that we do in our families, uh, in, with, 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 with our children, in our neighborhoods, in our work, for the sake of that kingdom, is going to have a place when he comes after all things have been made subject to him. And we get to help make all things subject to him in the interim. SPO, <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same root and stock, right? They're partners in this work. Hopefully they know that story as well. I'm trying to help infiltrate and make sure we, we, we get that right. But um, the, the work of, of SPO with college students and young adults and partnering with that is, it's helpful. It might, it might have benefits for us as a community for people that would want to join. There's people here. That's why they're here. But the, but it is a work of, of mission. We're called to community and to live that love in, with one another and with those that we're in relationship. We're called um, to holiness, to put on those things with other people, and we're called to mission. SPO is a great mission. I love SPO because I'm hoping my kids are going to go to an SPO school because I want to I want to put them in an environment where that, that they can continue to kind of live this life because we need other people, right? We can't, we're not called, we, it's really hard to do it alone. And um, anyway, I'm going to stop there with that. That's a summation of October through January. <laughs> so, um, so thank you. I would just pray for all of us that we understand and broaden the scope of the work that God has for us. It, it is for us individually, but it's bigger than that. It's for our families, it's for our marriages, it's for our workplaces, it's for our environments. Whatever you're called to do, our primary vocation is to be his ambassadors proclaiming that kingdom and to have a bulwark of others that we are living in a place where we can live it out and be encouraged to go back out and to be that ambassador to the world. Not to judge people, not to, you know, we're not referees in all of this, you know, but by our care for our poor, for our love for one another, the way we honor and respect, the way we do our work with excellence, you know, whether it's, I don't know if you do this, but teaching or filling prescriptions, do it well, right? Whether it's, you know, um, filling trucking orders to get them, do it good, 
with love, with kindness, with tenacity, whatever, you know, what it takes. And uh, as, as, as a mothers, you know, to spend days upon days with, like, people that don't speak, you know, to you. It does change, you know. But for a while, it's like, God, oh, like, I, I used to, like, have, like, thoughts that I would talk to other people about. And now I'm, I'm a little teapot, you know. Um, And we're called, I think, also to speak that word um, to the church and to be that example in the church. Um, Yeah, amen. Thanks for listening.